it's all about the journey. It's all about the journey, baby. Welcome to the On the Way to New Work podcast with Michael Trautmann and Christoph Magnussen. And we're here in New York. That's why we're in English. Yeah, we're in New York. We're sitting at uh, Hogarth, US, and uh, we're sitting together with the managing director, Mariusz Obanczyk. Hello. Hi. Hi, and thank you so much for, for having us. Ah, it's my pleasure. Maybe we, we start, yeah, we start with your story. How, how, how did you come to New York? What was your way uh, to the States? What did you do before? And, and what is your job at Hogarth? And what is Hogarth? What is Hogarth? Yeah, that's, that's an important question. So maybe I start what Hogarth is mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. about my personal journey of how I end up actually here in uh, Tuferi Park Avenue South. So Hogarth, it's... Uh, At, uh, we part of a larger organization which is called WPP. Some people may actually know that it's it's a large holding organization which which is consortium of different type of uh, advertising uh, services, agencies, media, creative, research, as well as what we call production services. So Hogarth belongs to the part of the of the, of the organization which is much more focused on execution and production. And um, we are quite young company. Actually, this year it's going to be. 10th year anniversary and I started working with Hogarth back in London in 2009 where it was a still quite small startup um, and uh, it was all about the business idea of Hogarth was to slightly change the way how at that time um, the creative adaptation are done for the masters for the ideas which are generated in one country and how they actually get created and distributed and translated into other markets so, the, so just for people who are not familiar with the with the, what 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 is that but let's just imagine you know we there is one agency in germany let's say in frankfurt which creates an ad and and it's chocolate bar but their brand is quite successful and it's a it's a brand which is present in many different markets so this ad then the master it's taking we taking this master and we translate into local languages changing sometimes the visual cues which need to be to make it relevant etc etc so we started this business to 2008, 2009, we were a majority of stakeholders was bought by WPP, and uh, and uh, it's been a quite in interesting journey because uh, 10 years later we are almost three and a half thousand people, <laughs> and uh, and I've been you know I started with a company back in London uh, in 2009, and I from London I went to set up offices in Brazil and Argentina, and then two years ago I came over here. And business model have evolved, so is the whole world. You know, it's for the last 10 years. It's especially you know everything it's been on speed and steroids in terms of this level of change which are happening everywhere so our business has also evolved in terms of what we actually offering to the client on top of what we call traditional adaptation model we also do a lot of um, production consolidation co production consultancy help client to rearrange the what we call the enterprise production spend and levels in order to spend dollars which they called non-working dollars more efficiently so that's just maybe, maybe we, we we stay with Hogarth and then we come back to you as a person later because it's uh, yes it's, it's, it's so fascinating um, your company started a trend or hopped onto a trend which we call in Germany decoupling yeah I think you used the same the same phrase which means that that you not any longer have to buy your whole product as a, as a company from one agency and then they have a network and uh, deliver everything so you decouple the creative part with the production part and you what I find very interesting because it's somehow a disruption within the system that mm -hmm. you are that you were acquired only one year after or someone invested into only mm -hmm. one year after you start maybe you, you explain why this happens so early mm -hmm. and and uh, then what I think is a very interesting um, part of your business that you have your own software mm -hmm. media asset, uh, mm -hmm. asset uh, management software maybe you can explain a little mm -hmm. bit about how important this part is in your business okay so I think in, I think it's worth to go back in the history just a little bit because um, decoupling. So our company was built 
and set up in 2008. And I think what was great about 2008 uh, was the fact that there was a recession. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was great for us, for majority of the people. Probably they will not have the same point of view. But I think whenever there is a squeeze and whenever there is a you know economical um, well, it's not depression, recession. There, people are start looking for a different alternative of doing things differently. And I think if our company was launched a few years before or a few years years after, maybe we would not be sitting here. What we're talking about, that was the moment everyone was very hungry for new ideas and things which were quite risk averse at the time. People start taking a higher risk just because they had to manage the declining media spend, budget spend, production spend, whatever. So then you actually see a lot of bravery in the places where you know you normally. So you have two different type of. Um, behavior. Some people get scared and they just go and decide to do whatever they believe it's right or whatever they know. But then you have another level of people who go actually completely opposite and they become brave and they say, okay, we're going to do something differently. And then this is where actually Hogart proposition became actually very relevant to many people, to many clients. Now, I think what you mentioned is decoupling and decoupling, you know, it's um, the decoupling is the process of whenever you look at the marketing supply chain and whenever you change it from what was original uh, in terms of, to your point, like the whole advertising development, the idea creation to execution belong, what we call to 360 ad agencies. And then the clients start looking at it from a slightly different perspective. So, so what if we actually agency going to be focusing on creating the master and somebody else is going to do adaptation? And there was a lot of question in regards to, will the quality be still fine? Will, you know, the message will be right? Will the price will be, you know, the right, the timings etc so decoupling you know and when, when you look at what's happening between 2008 and 2018 client the whole market marketing supply chains get completely rearranged so as we started in 2008 clients started decoupling the 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 adaptation from a creative master. So whenever you have the, you know, the, the local version from the master which has been created, but now the clients start decoupling also part of the creative process. You know, content studio, the race of content studios. We've just talked just before about insourcing part of the content studio, moving away what we call the snackable content or always on content from the core creative idea development, just because the the media environment has changed. You know. The social, the need for so much content in the, within the same bu budget frame, it's still there. Yeah. And the old, all advertising development model was not accommodating enough in order to produce so much so fast. So I hope that answered the question. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, how important is, is the media asset management software, the system? Okay. I mean, you, you, I, I believe you work in the cloud with this system. So yes. you, you were probably one of the first uh, companies in our industry who, who really how important cloud computing will be it, it, it it's super important I think you know where we are today and when we're going to be in the future it's all going it's going to be the technology will pay, play even more important role in what we do and how but for us um, what had happened we've created two preparatory tools one of them is called Zonza which is digital asset management system which help us to move the large uh, resolution file between different locations so almost at the same time we're able to produce uh, to actually adopt assets in e Europe in Asia in US and what it actually did it's actually it did reduce the number of days uh, which is normally um, reserved for adaptation by 50 to 60 percent so if you think about the time reduction also that means cost reduction in many different ways also it allow client to have asset in the same space so you have uh, all your assets, which you know, which we, we work m across multiple different agency, and all of a sudden you you may have a client, large clients, blue chip clients, which they may have 20, 30, 40 different brands. They may have a 60, 70 different agencies, which normally were holding the assets. All of a sudden, they're in the same space, and which asset which they belong to the client. So that was very helpful. But on on top as well, on top of digital asset management system, we've introduced a workflow tool called Fire 
outsider which help us to organize ourselves internally the way how things get briefed the way how we organize ourselves internally how we talk to different departments because all our business is all about driving efficiencies to look at different points uh, which are not working and how can we change our operating model in order to work is that stuff that you like did from the very beginning because uh, like from the two of us I'm the cloud and tech guy so I'm very um, I have a strong feeling about that and and I share your opinion on like what it does to efficiency mm -hmm. and and to the future but if you started in 2008 as an agency doing consulting working with clients did you start right away to develop that was that part of of how yes so we started straight away with the tool called FIDO which was the workflow tool so I think one of the big point of difference which we had was that we've automated the process which was very manual to yeah. start with and also uh, it allows the system so the, the global client regional clients or even on the local level all of a sudden clients start you know they were force in one way to work within the system but the, what you see it was lots of consistency because you have the interface where you can go in you can actually look at the low resolution materials and then you can start requesting local adaptation normally you had to call somebody you need to tell them that somebody had to order assets from another country uh, when it comes to large assets they were sent by big tapes uh, it took some time and then those tapes had to be inserted into the system and that was 10 years ago yeah, yeah. so uh, But when we started was creating the workflow tool, which was actually an answer to our business proposition. What had happened later on, we very quickly we've discovered that on top of the workflow tool, we also need to have digital asset management system, which is designed to our needs. And so therefore, and what were our needs at the time was the fact that we were dealing with very large files. Um, and uh, because when you look at the, TV advertising assets, those are huge, huge files. So yeah. sometimes not only even asset, but also the rushes. So you need to be able to upload them quite quickly and with accelerated speed and download them quite quickly. And whenever you finish the adaptation to upload them back to the cloud. But that was to make sure that we can reduce the speed and time of delivery. And that was one of the advantage points. So as soon as we started our company, we started working on a digital asset management system, which, which became one of our proprietary tools. And the way how very we very interesting because I know the challenges of um, building these tools, implementing these tools, and then especially make people use them. Yes, which is the biggest challenge. Yes. So, did you do that by yourself, or um, when it comes it, it the adoption of the adaptation of technology, I think it's one of the biggest pain points. I think it, again, you know, I've been with the company for uh, it's my ninth year right now, and uh, and I've been in the industry for quite a long time, actually for 20 Uh, odd years and it, it it's very very true you know something which like, makes sense not mm. necessarily get adopted because people are so used to the old ways yeah. of working and uh, and and but when you actually start talking to organizations which they have a very clear agenda in terms of what they're trying to achieve and the push comes not only from the supplier of services like ourselves but also from uh, from uh, from the top management and also the benefit of why you're doing what you're doing are clearly defined it becomes a little bit easier and then later on it's repetition 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 and basically this is how it works uh, so it's not easy um, when we've implemented FIDO at the beginning to some of the client some of of them felt oh my god from a local market perspective i can actually see what other markets are developing so i don't need to recreate that so i find this tool quite useful from a global perspective all of a sudden local uh, global or regional clients looked at that and say well finally i can see who is doing what in mm. which country and that's why i found this tool useful so you had to what we had to make sure is then the unique point of difference and the value is translated at every level of whoever is going to making be in touch with the tool mm. and later on it's just you know being consequent in terms of you can't make a brief offline you need to put a brief online and if you don't want to do it okay you can tell us but we're still going to do it and you're still mm. going to have approval on the other side and the resistance gets lower and lower and lower and that becomes a part of the everyday they uh, use but it takes time I think for every client, they don't like change. And it humans, we, we are quite resistant to change. So it's not about clients. It's just we're talking about this equation. And it takes a year, two or three for them to fully embrace something. And it also need to, and, and, and actually, again, going back to the point is explain 
the value, explain why you wanted to do it and why it's important to individual. This is where, you know, the adaptation of different mm. technology or different strategy, it's the most successful. It's it's truly new work and changing how an industry works. Like I now get yeah. that what Michael told me while we had breakfast this morning, and you're like he's like he's like what, what you guys are doing in much larger scale for the whole industry. They yeah. change. And like, okay, I now get the picture. And what I would be interested in is on this journey from from 2008 until mm -hmm. today, growing to over 3,000 people. Yeah. Um, how did you make sure that this culture you started with built something? you you change you're most likely you were the underdog um, yeah very much so. <laughs> are you still like it's a question like how did you like how did you keep that culture from that point till today you see i think when we started back in 2008 we were definitely disruptive to the industry to your point and um, and uh, we we didn't have too many friends <laughs> as you can probably imagine none of people yeah, we're the, the, you were the enemy yeah yeah too many for people for some people yeah yeah and i think the enemy because of the fear of a unknown but b there was definitely writing on the world and things are changing and the mm. change is just around the corner now I think the industry has been changing quite rapidly anyway. So I believe we met, you know, we were on the wave of change and we had the right product and the right solution. I would not actually, um, my ego doesn't allow me to actually take the credit hold for home industry disruption. And I don't think that's the case, but we definitely were at the right po point and, and where the client, as I said, the recession in Europe and then following US was the right moment to get the new solution in place and start client to look at things very differently and um, so it's it's uh, it's it's but what had happened is when you have a at the time small group of people um, connected by cause because again what we did also makes sense you know and this mm -hmm. is another thing is the common sense of our proposition was very easy to understand for the client not necessarily for the agency partners and what we were trying to do is simplify the current model and make it more easy to use so why adaptation need to be so complicated if it could be simplified by tools by process by rate cards whatever that is so we came with a very simplified proposition of something which was very very complicated and uh, and uh, and so, so again um, we were left alone and uh, you know the founders of the of the organization you know where they had to actually push many many different fights with many different people and uh, and uh, and as you can probably imagine um, you're not the most popular kid on the blog Uh, because again, you know, you you are against something which is work for so many different years, and you you challenging everyone's status quo, and then you small, and everyone's like, well, who gives you an uh, um, right to have an opinion about that, and uh, and and that unifies you. You know, I think when you have uh, when you have a chip on the shoulder, and I think you know at the time everyone at Hogarth was some sort of a misfit, which they didn't fit into one way or another. But we were connected by ideology. Then you know things could be done different, and they can actually you can apply certain level of common sense to part of the process, and you can change it to the benefit of uh, of general. You know, you can simplify. I I'm a big fan of making things simpler. I'm making things clearer and make it you know as as easy as possible to use and this is what we're trying to do with a part of implementation process advertising implementation process so the culture going back sorry i'm going back and forward but i just wanted to give you a context mm -hmm. um where you are you know on you, you, this is just your group and everyone around you doesn't believe then you can deliver and they don't believe then the quality is going to be right you're trying to prove the point really so you you actually have a group of people who are uh, wanted to make sure that there's a point then you can and if you have enough spirit and you know you have enough um, it, if you have enough vision and drive behind you sometimes things can happen and that was our unifying thought for a very very long time and then to your point um, when the company grows so quickly you kind of you are a danger of losing what the spirit mm. 
of the company and the culture of the company was. But I don't think it's such a bad thing because while at the beginning we had a great product and we want to prove some, some, something somebody, now we are actually quite established and we, have, we need to adopt slightly different culture and the way how we're dealing with things because it doesn't, the same level of drive and the same level of emotion doesn't necessarily apply to with the solution which we are actually giving to the client. So you had to change and evolve as a company to slightly different place. So, but it's very important. The culture is very important. The culture may actually slightly change and modify as your company is. Um, the core values are very important for me personally. Um, the way how you operate the system, the value, what you promise, the way how you conduct yourself are very, very important. Those are the pillars. But the part of the culture in terms of elements may actually be modified slightly. Does mm. it give you a mm. absolutely very so you know very so helpful. being being at the level of where we are, one of the things which is the biggest challenge which we have is to make sure that everyone understand why they come here to work and what we're trying to do. And what we're trying to do is change mm. and implement changes and we're looking for different areas which we're kind trying to do it, you know, with a consolidation production model, with content production, with with uh, uh, cont in content studios trying to see what will be the new thing which we mm. and which will going to be helpful for the client and but also from our team perspective mm. Very. Uh, we, we were just talking about the this tech and, and cost approach but yeah. you have a, a softer part in your business as well um, you you just um, mentioned it a little bit but maybe we can dig into this I, I'm, I'm talking about the the part of this trans creation so you have mm. planners you have creative uh, copy, copywriters which are not 100% on your payroll so yes. you've created a, an independent network yes. which is new work as well yep. around the world maybe you uh, explain this a little bit why okay. you did this and how it works so absolutely um The way, the way how we've designed the model of adaptation in order to be more efficient was we've created five hubs at the time. So it was London, New York, Singapore, uh, Sao Paulo, and Mexico City, um, which all of them, like we are over here, had the similar production capabilities. So we had uh, um, edit studios, audio studios, digital capabilities, and print capabilities in order to make sure that we can whenever we take the master it's it the, the original assets it takes as little time as possible and we are not relying on multiple different sources in order to for do, do adaptation so you can control cost quality and timing now what we knew what we can do it's to apply the same level of of centralization when it comes to the in market talent, um, the linguists, the copywriters, the long copy uh, translators. So what we've done is we we have uh, we've created a network of more than 3,000 in market copywriters, long copy translators, where we we've interviewed them, we've created database of different people, what are their core skills, uh, what they're specializing in, they are rated based on the feedback which we get from the client. Because one thing which we knew is in language lang language it's it's so alive. Mm -hmm. And and if you if you we believe then if you are actually outside of your country, even if you're a native speaker for more than six months, you're losing the nuances. As a copywriter, you may, you know, there is a slight modification into the wording or the, 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 the slang or the way how people are talking. You lose it. You know, you, 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 you know, it's, you, you passed it. So we truly believe that all the translations and copywriting need to be done by, in market by people who are actually living in the country. So that was one of the reasons, you know, I believe why, why it was actually successful is then there are part of the workflow which we believe we could consolidate but there is a part of the workflow which we believe that cannot be consolidated. And so it was not about grabbing everything in and let's create one solution. It's about what is the right solution. It sounds very simple, like having a ranking, organizing the people, but there It's are not. 3,000 yeah. freelancers. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yes. so let's talk about that yeah. a little bit more in detail because that's a very, very interesting concept also yeah. when it comes yeah. to new work because yeah. like even in our company, we're discussing that back and forth. If we really need that large workforce or if we just like go back on the, on the more freelancer side, mm -hmm. but it's very hard to organize them. 
So, so we have a team uh, which is dedicating to managing those those relationships. So there's a team. I think if you're serious about doing things like that, you need to make sure then the, the, those people also, one way or another, they do feel like they're part of a larger organization. Then they are in from uh, and and everything from the the way how they briefed, the way how they receive feedback, to the way how they get paid, if it's on time or not. It's a, that actually tells you how you treat them. So if you if someone, I think it's great to use the freelance resources. But to your point, you need to make sure that you organize yourself appropriately, and then you have uh, people actually dedicated to manage this relationship with those people because those are extended you know members of your team and you need to make sure then they will care for the work which is done so and 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 you and in more important while you can have a, some false sense of control when you have people in the building mm. you have more influence on them it's much harder if they are in a slight distance so uh, there is a, as i mentioned there is a talent team which does exactly that whenever we get a new client a new assignment they look at type of client which we have what talent is available and then we test those teams together with clients sometimes to on the skill to just to make sure that we get the right match so we rather than having a copywriter which we have our John has a 50% time off let's just get them onto the client we actually say okay who is the right who have the right skill set and because we don't, those people not necessarily they're, they're free to work on other engagements well so then we don't have oh, 100% of your time need to be with us mm. and therefore we have more freedom when it comes to the choice and that what's nice it's you know we have lots of clients which we have very long standing relationships with and majority of the time when we get the right talent they are actually continue for a five, six, seven years because they know the client and they know exactly what's happening. They know the brand. They become the brand guardians we, from a visual perspective, then become from a language perspective. So it's all about consistency and making sure there is a continuity. And you have this, this I think, very interesting process that they challenge each other because you have this ah, yeah. two time there's the one who's doing the job and there's yeah. another one who's challenging checking what he has done and so you have a self-learning organization somehow yeah so the way in again it's all about the quality so the way how we've organized a transcreation process it's basically to your point you have uh, you have what normally you have two copywriters working on a job at the same time one one copyrighted job in the native language will be to edit and the other one will be to write the copy and the difference is they will need to they, they check each other's work so they will look at the brief making sure then the brief is correct like in our offices we probably have 46 native speakers of different languages but then but we're servicing 220 different languages so if you think about it you need to create the net like there, there needs to be a way for us making sure then whatever gets out of our door makes sense and it's actually accurate so you have a dual people like the couples of copywriters working on a piece of information i have so many more questions but so let me let me uh, <laughs> that is only okay. one part of our business yeah, we're good, we're good in time. but, but I'm, i have questions about you yourself but oh, okay. also like but, but now we're a bit on the on the um side where it's more interesting one thought that came up to my mind is like you guys are already deeply into technology and and you like you grew that business and now there is this new field of AI coming mm -hmm. um, we've invested in the company we both Michael and I both actually invested in the company so we also see the potential um, and we know there are experiments and AI is organizing ads uh, doing yep. the, the, the stuff so are you guys working on that as well do you see that yes we see that it, we're just trying to um, as our company strategy we're also trying to define what is going to be our role in within this environment mm. because and, and that's my personal opinion so if we, if you're going to quote me just make sure that it's personal but in general I think there is going to be definitely you know technology getting better and better mm. and uh, but what a company as a core we don't necessarily need to develop new tool what we need to make sure we, what we offer to the client it's connection between different tools 
So we don't need to. It, I, I, it's not a necessary uh, ambition to develop the new greatest thing. What we offer is the services, mm. and what we need to offer is a similar service. So mm. we need to offer more of a con. You know, we are more of a connector, making mm. sure that everything's working well, and that the right tools are tested, the right things are getting done. And if there are no tools to our liking, we have our own developing team, which actually help us to develop tools which plug the different holes. Um, but we, as a company strategy at the very moment, is we wanted to be unified platform where we can plug different solutions in order to get to the right product. That, and that's our goal. Do you see that AI will or could replace then certain pro processes when you think of like 220 languages? I mean, um, it's very hard to teach a computer most likely um, to learn all the nuances. Mm -hmm. But as we know, deep learning is getting better and better over time. Yeah. What's so your personal opinion on that? I think um, that from a language perspective, um, we are using technology when it comes to language. And, and, but what we, when, especially when it comes to the marketing, advertising material, there is, uh, we still, until foreseeing future, we still need humans. Like I think one thing is to translate long copy. Mm. and uh, and uh, like a website and then have someone double check so what we do we do use uh, translation memory services whenever we translate something um, it goes into translation memory and then when we're going to try to retranslate something from the client perspective we check what has already been translated right. we also manage uh, actively glossary on behalf of some clients because some of clients like pharmaceutical clients will have a legal um, requirements, what can and cannot be translated, what can and cannot be done. So we do use technology to make sure then we can, we don't repeat, yeah. we utilize of what already had been translated. But I think from a marketing perspective, from a, it's, 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 especially when it comes to copy translating, it's not direct translation. Mm. And I think it's going to take some time. And I think what, what we have as a human, it's abstract thinking. So I think when we get to the point that machines going to be doing abstract thinking and connecting different, and I believe that may be a point at some quicker more maybe than we expected, then we will probably need to implement this type of solution. But I think for the time being, um, it's definitely something which, which needs Mm. human touch I think my personal opinion we will be quicker to adopt IE machine learning sorry IE type of tools when it comes to visual adaptation and and versioning etc etc but when it comes to language it's language is the hardest, hardest part yeah. yeah so we use the technology until there are some translation companies which trying to use Google Translator and we've seen those translations but they're not very good quality you know mm -hmm. I think you know language is something which is personal and it's something which people come make people judge you know people judge everybody the way how you speak the way how you present yourself mm. and the brands what they have sometimes it's the, the way how they communicate to make or break the way how the consumer is going to engage with them and it's our job to make sure that it's done the best way possible maybe last last question uh, to no, not we're not ready <laughs> last question to, to Hoga what I uh, saw over the last years is that you not just challenge our industry you challenged other industry which we were working with so you have now your own film production companies you you so you you have yeah the, you changed the whole system and um, now after 10 years um, I think there are many more companies uh, that does not see you as the enemy anymore they see you as a strong Competitor, but yep. but how did you manage to to convince the, your HEC sisters within the WPP group uh, to work with you? I mean, for for us, I'm you know I'm running an HEC in, in in Germany. It's it's simple to say, wow, now we have Hogarth. It's it's so cool because mm -hmm. we're we're just in six cities and on the planet, and they have so much more to offer, and uh, they have so much more services for us. It's it's easy. But like you work together with Gray or other networks, uh, how they how how, how does it come that they work together with you and, and change their system as well that's the journey I think we are nowhere near to be finished on this journey I think there is something and I'm coming from big agency networks I used to work for, for publicists Leo Burnett for many different for many years as well as JWT and um, you know we've created as an industry those big 
network, the big beautiful agencies with a great minds and great idea generating places, w and 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 they are you know they've been hit the hardest in terms of the new world of uh, digital content idea where you know we those agencies used to own the ideas and now the ideas coming from so many different places and 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 i think so for them what we do not necessarily it's the most biggest priority i think to your mm -hmm. point I, but for the client was so majority of our engagement and our and our drive came from uh, the client need to change and set the pace of the change rather than from the agency network. I think they have lots of other issues which they need to get on with. To be very fair, as I said, it's a progress and I think we've been cooperating with agency much more, trying to help them with a the solution, trying to help them with redesign the way how they going about production, execution, etc. But as I said, it's not... Um, it's a it's 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 a ever evolving model. As I say, we are probably number ten on the priority list in terms of the agency what they need to do at this very moment, and we cannot pretend that we are number one. But to be very fair, when you look at it, and maybe it's very biased from my point of view, but as what had happened a while ago with the media agency where they separated from the creative agency. I think what's happening is the production part, i.e. is beyond production, it's execution. It's separating from what we call the co-creative produ production services. And you have those three things, especially with programmatic media, where you actually need to populate lots of different assets very quickly. And, you know, so you need to give da data from a media agency of different providers, and then you need to serve very quickly relevant content, because this at this very moment is not necessary. You have technology, but not necessary execution mm -hmm. when it comes to this one. So the rules have just changed. And uh, and now everyone is trying to get adjust to new rules while everything is changing at the same time. So it's like fixing the train which goes TGV, which goes 300 kilometers per hour, and you're trying to fix it while it still <laughs> didn't have time to stop. So you know it's mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a, sorry for good giving picture. you this type no, of it's answer, good. It's but good. it's a it's a it's it's ever evolving model. And what we need to do as an organization, what we need to make sure is that we relevant not only to the client to the agencies as well. So, uh, you know, so what we need and, and, you know, what agencies, while the clients sometimes look at more from, a, they're much more practical from the, I, you know, the way how things get done and get executed, the agencies sometimes looking from something different in angle, which is the excellence and creativity of production. So they will, they want the best, the best, the best, the best, the best, the best of the best. And it's about translating in terms of how technology can help us to achieve similar things. We're not necessarily the same operating model as it was before and then you can actually get the same similar or very similar result from a very different price point of view so you can actually have best of both worlds so we're slightly in the middle at this very moment and mediating between clients and agencies in order to try to find out what's the most efficient way of getting things done at this present moment um, when uh, I think it's already I have a picture in my mind to make it very simple also for people who are not coming from an agency because like we are using social media every day and we just had the discussion this morning um, how difficult it is actually produce content and then make sure to like spread it so also yeah. small businesses yeah. have the same challenges and Michael you're always saying like um, do a little bit less in terms of frequency but then make it better but that's like this trade-off I have yeah. the feeling it's getting more like the higher frequency yeah. shorter content and still it needs to be good quality yeah well I think we I, you know I'm, I'm thanks to millennials I, you know they actually what had happened and I may you know many people don't like what's, what's been happening but I think millennials are the blessed for us um, because the way how the media is consumed it's how the new generation are consuming the media is very different to what they used to be so now the question is you, while we have certain parameters in terms of trying to find what are the efficiencies in terms of deliverables and what works well there are so many different opportunities and none of the brands wants to lose the opportunity because nothing is for sure just yet if you are uh, you know uh, the, in the older days when we had the TV as a main driver and you can associate the GPRs and to how many exposure you're going to get and there was a push and pull type of environment it was much easier now you just 
because you know you don't know if you can risk not being present in a cer so certain social media mm. and I think that's the need of producing more and more and more and I, I, I completely agree with Michael then at some point it will it's, it's going to be about quality more than the quantity but I think we're still at the point of when is the right level of personalization when you're going too far when mm. is the right moment to personalize maybe better before you make a purchase rather than everything which goes after the purchase so you know there's so many different things where you know what we're trying to get into the point is what is the right level uh, in how we communicate to different consumers and what's the frequency but in the meantime you need to produce and I, in the mm -hmm. meantime you just need to run because at the end of the day nobody wants to as I mentioned lose the opportunity especially the brands are changing so quickly this is another thing is you know we the world is changing so fast so I'm gesticulating and I don't want to break your cables but uh, <laughs> obviously I get a little bit passionate about things what I'm talking about that's good that's good um, but the 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 where we are it's nothing is for sure um, you know we there were stable brands there were stable companies which were thought nothing's ever going to happen to them and all of a sudden they cease to exist within a couple of years so it's all about being relevant at this very moment you know from a communication point of view to product point of view so every, so whatever we had before as in terms of great books of marketing and advertising and product development and R&D they kind of you know they are less relevant at this very moment because everyone is trying to make it, it, it's, it's so much change so you always need to scrap whatever you knew and you need to be able to adopt yourself to the new reality and react to you know have a, almost like a sensor of what's happening at this very moment and can I keep the pace of the change when it comes and doesn't matter where it is from personal development perspective from from uh, company perspective from brand perspective it's all up in the air that's again my personal opinion. Maybe we, we, we switch from change of industry to yeah. your personal change. So where, where did this all started? Where did you start your career? Where were you born and raised? And how did you end up in New York? Yeah, um, um, it's it's an uh, interesting one because I am Polish origin. So I was born and raised in Poland. And in which uh, city? I was born in Oświęcim, which is uh, a quite controversial city to be born with. Uh, but I, I actually I was born there, and I was there. I was living there till I was 18, and then I moved to Warsaw to university. Um, and uh, and I was born during the communist time, which was interesting. But I was also very lucky because I was on the verge of change of the two different systems. So I was uh, still I still remember communist time and the good and the bad. But I was not so much affected as an adult. And then all of a sudden, we've changed completely the system, and the system came with so many different opportunities. I remember when I was a kid, we had two TV channels, which basically was very much of a propaganda, and we had the radio. Uh, which was actually slightly more innovative because it was about storytelling. So, and it's important because I, when I was a kid, I fell in love with re radio. So I did, I didn't watch much of the TV, but I loved radio. And I, and for a very, very long time since I was since I was a kid, um, every single day I will go and make sure that I listen to the stories you know because they were they were kid stories mm. but there was something which actually opened your imagination and you know you can imagine things you don't need to have anything you know it's not that someone serving you images it's up to you so that was my fairy tale but what had happened was I was very convinced from the young age I want to work in a radio station so um, at, the, at the verge, what had happened after the change of the system, the first things which came to Poland were independent radio stations. It was probably, mm. you know, the, 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 the cheapest thing to set up. And all of a sudden, you, those radio station mushrooms with the people who just talked their mind. And, you know, they were extremely uh, entertaining. And I was like, this is exactly what I wanted to do. So while at the beginning, I thought that some sort of a uh, fantasy when, you know, the new wave of radio 
radio station came on, I was like, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And I did. So from the age of 15 to about 20, almost every single weekend, which I was in school, I was spending the radio station, wow. you know, doing, uh, helping the reporters, doing reportage. And, you know, it was, it was my passion. So then I decided, okay, this is what I would like to do for a living. And um, this is where I'm going to go from a study perspective. And then I remember um, I had my own late night radio show. <laughs> cool. And it wasn't because, you know, this was when it was realization, then I don't really have that many things to say. <laughs> and I don't like to just say things just because of saying them, although probably after this interview, you have a very different idea. <laughs> but, but it's about something which I know. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and, and in this particular instance, it's just about, uh, um, and, and I was like, well, I'm not biggest on creating things. I, I can discuss things which are close to my heart. So I thought, well, that's a bit of a bummer. Um, I still had the news, uh, which I could rely on. So being a news um, a speaker, and then one night at two o'clock in the morning, because when you're young, this is what you get. It's, you, know, you don't get the prime time, obviously, and for good reason. I was, my diction is not very clear. So I had to have pencil in my mouth and and uh, to speak before I actually read the news, to speak slower and calmer and with open mouth. And then I decided, okay, fine, this is not my job. This is not my calling. So uh, I had, had no idea what I'm going to do next, but I had a few friends which I made along the way. Some of them work in the advertising industry. And they said to, to me, why don't you try um, working in, in, in this business? And I thought, well, I don't have a better idea to, for life at this very moment, so why I don't? And uh, and I was supposed to do it for a year, and 20 something years later, I'm still doing it. Um, I was <laughs> nice very story. yes, I was uh, I was very lucky because um, I've met many amazing people on long along the way um, who helped me. Um, I was, as I said. Um, it was I was not proper admin um, I was not the most organized person I was not the more focused person I had the great insight and ideas and feelings but that was not what you're supposed to be doing when you're starting your career you listen and you follow and I'm not a very good follower <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and so what had happened is but we had, I had an amazing group of people who decided who see something in me and then decided to escalate my career and push me forward in order for me not to get fired <laughs> because at certain level, you you know, it was about you know, if you're an if you're an account assistant, you ex this is expected from you. But when you're an account director, you probably can speak up your mind and say what the idea is. Again, what was very good is the industry was very new in Poland, and uh, and so you can actually if you you were all right I'm not saying you need to be super smart but there were not that many people you could plug on you could actually progress quite quickly so that actually helped and then from from and that was Leo Burnett Warsaw and I was there for almost four years still deeply love the agency um, and uh, from there I, I actually had a um, I had the opportunity to move on the client side. I worked for Pepsi, and this job took me to Budapest. Um, and I worked there for a not quite long, maybe year, year and a half. I went back to Leo Burnett, Budapest, to work on a regional assignment for Procter & Gamble. And I spent there in Leo Burnett, Budapest, a few years. From there, I went to London, um, spent eight years in London. In the meantime, I took a career break during the recession and went to India to spend some time to to just be <laughs> I went there for nine months and did you start uh, to meditate there yes yeah. yes mm -hmm. uh, but actually um, it's interesting because I think my idea the the way for what I thought I'm going to India was very different to what I got out of India and I think um, it was I did start meditating before I went to India okay. so mm -hmm. I was very interested in Buddhism and uh, Eastern philosophies as such um, while I'm not very religious I'm very you know I I, um, I, I you know I, I have a strong 
um, set of beliefs and 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 as I said, morals and 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 and, and, and things which I live by, and uh, and that was much more to my liking than Christianity, which I'm born into. No offense to anybody, I really appreciate everybody as long as they're good people. Um, but it was just not for me, so I was soul searching, and I thought one part of soul searching going to India would be exactly that. But instead, I actually found the love of my life and uh, and and wow. and and live life in a very different way uh, because you know living in India for nine months gives you a completely different appreciation for life so it's like being in a movie but you actually an observer to something which is happening right in front of you and you like for nine months you're just a guest in some amazing show and uh, and you are definitely the guest so you just observe and you not but by any virtue of imagination you you can't be part of it because you look like a guest and you are treated like a guest so it, that was very very interesting I came back to from India to London um, and uh, and I help uh, I was working sorry if my story is long no, not interesting and, uh, and, uh, and then um, very quickly uh, I started working for Hogarth um, um, and uh, from with and I had two different job choices. One of them was to work as a planner in one of the digital agencies, and then there was this company which was called Hogarth, and nobody knew about it much. But my my um, headhunter Kate was so persistent, saying you need to see those people because that those are your type of people. They ask crazy, and I was like, well, but I already have a contract. She's like, just go before you sign the contract. And I meet those crazy people. I was like, you crazy, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and and I, and I said I wanted to work with you, and I didn't know what my job was going to be really at the time because I thought that the product of adaptation is kind of boring product, but I thought everyone over there is onto something interesting, and I just wanted to be become part of the journey. So from London, I was asked to set up the offices in Brazil and Argentina, so I did. Set up three offices, one in Sao Paulo, which is a core business unit in in Brazil, but also in Porto Alegre, which is a digital development hub and, and Argentina. And from there, two years ago, I've been actually asked to come to run New York. Wow, cool. I mean, nice story. that's a, that's a wrong story. Thank you story. so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, I'm just thinking, you know, you're a very humble guy. I just met a very, very humble, very interesting guy and just like sneaked in with nine months of just being in India. I'm like, okay, we're like 48 <laughs> minutes into the podcast and this comes out now. Usually people put that in the front. So, so that's, uh, that's very, very interesting. I, we could continue for an hour. Yeah. We, we, we shouldn't because we take away your time and, uh, and um, there, there is always an end to to a podcast yeah. so we got to get to the end so from all this experience yeah. and and i i just met a person who was very open to change i somehow believe this has to do with your very positive attitudes to what you've seen so for you change always was an opportunity mm -hmm. even when the whole system changed yeah from all that experience what is the stuff you would share to someone who's very young like let's say now 11 12 something like that 15, yeah. in, in in a world that you see right now what would you what would you tell them this what i gonna tell them is what i'm telling my team and i don't think it's about age it's about your attitude towards life you know while i move in so many different countries it's um you you Every time you move, you assume you know something and then you discover you know nothing. Because even then you have a practical knowledge, if you cannot actually implement it on a cultural level, it goes for nothing. So have as little assumptions as only possible and trying to be as much open as only possible. And I think create this curiosity of not being right although sometimes you are because that's not that important it's about exploring and see you know how other people react to it you know testing and play with things uh, rather than making sure that you win the race enjoy it you know see what's happening on the way and what is your experience rather than winning or being somewhere or being the most important or the cleverest and you know it's constant fight with the ego because as a system mm. we are actually quiet um, we, we, we are you know we program in our generation to be successful to achieve certain steps so I'm saying trying to do opposite <laughs> because you always can achieve things I think you know if you set yourself goals you can definitely get there but I think in this changing world it's all about how can you combine the skills which are not necessary easily to combine and you need to do it you can only do it and because you know what 
it's required from you today, it's going to be probably very past memory in the next five years. So you may tra train yourself to be an amazing editor or color grader, but maybe, just maybe, you know, I, uh, artificial intelligence is going to be do a better job than you at that. So your question is, how can you connect the dots between that and something else, what you do, for example, front-end programmer, because that will give you a skill which is unique. So you need to be ahead of machines, and I think, but that's an exciting journey, but I think that's about losing inhibition and, you know, allowing yourself to fail and allowing yourself to experiment and allowing yourself to not be perfect and uh, and that's basically my my great advice and because that's life wow thank you so much my pleasure Nothing really bad. inspired us thank you thank you so much thank you so much thank you very much for inviting me over it's all about the journey it's all about the journey baby